Hello and welcome to Beyond the Lens. I'm JD, and today we've got a special guest with us from the path less traveled. We've got Scott Bennett. He's uh, a musician, frontman for the band, and uh, we brought Scott in today to sort of give a different perspective on band photography, concert photography, all that kind of stuff, and what bands essentially look for. There, are, I mean, a ton of people in the industry that you know look at music photography as you know something that they really want to get into and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and, and honestly don't know where to start or you know, sort of what the expectations are. So totally. Yeah. Um, if you're starting out, I guess in photography, like our band's been around for five years and we've worked with, I would say a dozen or more photographers, uh, all at different skill levels, all at different stages in their, their, um, you know, their careers or what I, it's hard to monetize photography these days. Like one of my good friends, Brian does it in Saskatoon. He's right. shooting for an actual publication and yeah. he, I know. He and he just March started, yeah, he just started photography in March. He was doing weddings with his wife yeah. for a long time, like a, a couple of years. And that's kind of what got him into the, like he's always loved live music. He plays in a band and then he kind of switched over from weddings to that. And now he's really happy. He's shooting like three to four shows a week in Saskatoon. Right. He's the only guy in Saskatoon doing it. Right. So actually I work at the rec room as a talent buyer as well. And we just use one of his photos for a band that's coming on yeah. tour. It was kind of, kind of cool to have our professional worlds cross a little bit, but yeah, photography I find is really, really interesting, and it's a, it's a key component that I don't think a lot of bands realize. Like uh, one of the first times I met you, you said the band you're going to see a band before you hear them, which is very yeah. true. So that that goes for image and dress and stuff, but it also goes for how the fo- photo is presented and how it's posed and and a lot of things that bands don't really think about. And I think if you are starting out uh, as a photographer. And this is this is obviously my my opinion. Yeah. So I could be completely wrong, and if I am wrong, by all means, correct me on it, and we'll we'll talk about it because this is just one one opinion. But I would say the best way to get involved with a band is to show up at their show and not not just be like, hey, um, like you can do this, but just shooting someone a message saying, hey, I'll shoot your your band show for X number of dollars. Um, here's my portfolio. It's it's really not hard to send someone a DM these days. Yeah. So if you really think you really like a band and you really want to, like, I think most people have a friend who's a DJ or a, or in a band at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially, especially a DJ maybe. Yeah. Especially a <laughs> DJ. So if you want to get started in photography, go in with your friend and get your portfolio built up. And then I would find artists that you think are doing well in the scene because if you're coming from like a social marketing background or just with that thought process, you want your photos to be taken uh, by influencers in the scene. So an influencer is someone who has a large social following. When they share your stuff, your name is going to be seen by X number right. of people, the concept of an influencer. So if you shoot a band that has 20 likes and you're trying to build your portfolio, um, you know, 20, potentially 20 people on Facebook or Instagram will see yeah. their post. If you shoot a band that has 2000 in Calgary, and they share your album or whatever the case is, then your your reach goes out and you get more potential clients. Yeah. And, and as you progress and your photos get better, the more you can charge for... Because sometimes a publication will be separate, but like we hire photographers to come yeah. to our shows sometimes. And uh, the difference between hiring somebody versus like... Um, just having them you know, come in or whatever the case is depends on a relationship, how long yeah. we've been working together. And uh, do you want like name drops on this or do you want to keep it like... It's, it's up to you. Okay. I mean, so 
I guess is, this is really scattered, but I'm talking, if, you, if you're starting out, I would get started with a friend yep. who is a DJ or in a band. Take some photos and spend time on them. Don't, tr- don't treat it like you're doing it for free. Treat it like you're getting paid for it. Yep. And tr- treat it like you would be delivering the photos to yourself. So when you have that level of pride in what you're doing, you're going to make sure your best work is coming out. Then you give that to your friend. Your friend shares that. That builds your portfolio. Yeah. Then I'd branch out because when you go to a show, there's three bands on the bill. Don't just shoot your friend's band. Don't just take three photos and say, okay, none of these turned out and you know, give up. Take <laughs> 300 or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Take a lot. And then you're probably going to get 10 good ones out of that. And then throughout the night, tag all the bands in a social post and go there without them even knowing. So that happened with us one time. A, a photographer took a photo of us. We really liked her stuff. And she... Um, like she, she came up for her friend's band, but she yeah. shot all the bands and she shoots a lot of large shows uh, yeah. similar to what you did. And I think she was shot Rise Against and Edmonton actually and Rise Against bought her photo and used it on a yeah. social post. And she's, she's come a long way, but it's because she started out in like local hardcore shows and she was just shooting all of the bands, practicing, 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 yeah. practicing in like terribly lit venues with like, there's this place called, uh, is it the Shack? I can't even remember what it's called. The Skate Shack. And oh, it's um, off Memorial kind of by yeah. the zoo. And it's like literally this concrete tunnel with like the worst lighting ever. And she started to get really good photos out of that just by experimenting with lenses and stuff that I don't understand and really built her career that way. And so she took photos of us at a show and we were really like, hey, these are great and better than the average amateur photographer that's coming out. So we started working with with her more and she shoots, you know, most of our bigger shows. We're going to be playing like she just shot Silverstein for us and a couple of things. So we built that relationship and then that... I don't know that's not that we've helped her career because she works with a lot of bands, but yeah. the more work you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it and delivering a quality product is, yeah. is really good. And I would say taking pride in what you do um, and treating it like you're delivering it for yourself, like what you'd want to receive is really going to go a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if you half ass something, it's, it's really evident when your heart's not in something, I think regardless of what the, what what the medium is if, if you're a band and you're you know you're just kind of half-assing your song or half-assing your performance people can tell people yeah. have like a, a strong sense of legitimacy versus like I don't know, just something that lacks passion so yeah. i would say if you're if you're gonna do this like be passionate about it and take pride in what you do because people are gonna see you first and right. your reputation comes out based on the work that you're putting in. yeah i don't know if you yeah, I, I I mean I mean agree. I mean you know starting with local based shooting crappy little clubs because in a lot of places too. I mean access is is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean obviously to go shoot larger bands, you know at the Saddle Dome or all that kind of stuff, you need a pipeline to get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that isn't always easy, and uh, your reputation honestly goes a long way with that. Um, you know they start to see your name over and over again. They know that you produce and. Uh, you know, they'll take a look at those things. Uh, the other thing um, that you, you sort of touched on is is treating it, you know, whether you're getting paid or not is like a job. And I 100% agree uh, with that is that if you're going to take on that stuff, you want to treat it like a job. And a big part, I would say, especially of live concert photography, not so much studio work or, mm-hmm. or all that kind of stuff or band portraiture, which is a different kind of thing altogether, is making sure that you're fast, making mm-hmm. sure that it's good, and making sure that you're first mm-hmm. um, is a huge, huge part of it. Uh, essentially, you know, if you're first person out there, a lot of times, if it's good, 
they'll stand out, and it, that's it, what everyone's it'll get. Share, it'll right? get retweeted. It'll get shared. It'll get all that kind of stuff, and that's the kind of exposure that you're probably looking for if you're starting out. If you're not getting paid, uh, even if you are getting paid, you typically want those in the hands of the publicist right away. That's possible. Uh, you just you guys just played concert this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had. Uh, I wasn't there shooting photos. Yeah, I did something different, uh, just crazy, to sort of though. yeah. <laughs> I basically went there, and, and this is you know something that was ridiculous. I expected kind of to fail in what I did, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, went out there, brought video equipment, set up multiple cameras, shot it all myself, which is stupid to begin <laughs> with, but I did it anyways. And you had that video before the show was, I was even. Literally over. sitting at my merge table, uh, the headliner hadn't even started yet. And I was watching a video of my band's performance from three hours earlier, edited yeah. on YouTube, linked and everything. And it was like that kind of return is, is crazy. And like if, you, if you're able to deliver that kind of thing, you're going to get the reputation yeah. and people are going to want to go with you. If you think about this, like just completely separate photography or art from this. If you sat down with somebody for a job interview, you have their resume and they're like, yeah, uh, I'm going to try really hard once I start, you know, once I get this job, my work ethic is going to change. I'm going to be working much harder. And yeah. like, or you're going to go with a guy who's like his work ethic speaks for himself and he's exactly what you want in an employee. Yeah. And that's already the character and integrity he's built in. Yeah. hundred percent. You're going to go with the, the second guy. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't, don't realize that. Right. And it's, it's something you don't really think about because half of this, maybe, maybe 60, 40, but the product you deliver is important. It's yeah. number one. But a very close second is how you handle yourself, how you interact with people, and that feeds into your your reputation, yeah. right, in the city. Because bands talk, promoters talk, photographers talk. It's all very interrelated. <laughs> it's, it's it's a small like it's a it's a big world, but it's a small yeah. world at the same time. And like like last night, I was running a, sh- a show at the rec room, and people were like, "Oh, Scott, I've heard a lot about you," and it's it's weird, but like. When you're in the scene, your name, yeah. whether you want it or not, people are going to talk about you and it's either going to be good stuff or it's going to be bad stuff. Yeah. And working on that character component, the integrity of like delivering a good product, always being easy to work with, um, you know, being able to make uh, adaptations on the fly is also really important. People who like, hey, this tweaked and then they lose their minds because it's they, it's a subtle change to what it was supposed yeah. to be. Like that's, you, you need to be adaptable. And I yeah. think that's that's another component that, um, like I guess when you were doing that video, one of the cameras like dropped halfway yeah, through or yeah, something. Yeah. Like that, so you had to adapt within seconds <laughs> of it happening. It it just started, and you know at the beginning, what what it was it was attached. It was magnetically attached to a pole. Oh, Those magnets, yeah. Okay. So because uh, there's uh, if anybody's gone to this venue, there is a pole right in the middle, which is horrible <laughs> for photography. But it worked actually fairly well for this because it was a perfect place for yeah, a camera mount. Uh, but. What I didn't anticipate was that when the music started and the vibrations from the music was going to cause this eventually to basically tilt to the point that it fell. Uh, so, I mean, you've got a video that's that's turning. So you have to either have to you have to adapt with different camera angles or go into edit and, and fix that stuff. But I mean, that's that's all part of it. And that's part of the challenge. I mean, if you had a camera operator there, it would have never have happened. But I didn't have that luxury. I was, you know, like I said, I was probably stretching myself way, way too thin. Uh, but to me, it was a personal challenge to see, Hey, can I do this? Can I build something different? Because I knew as well that there would be a ton of photographers there. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't going to shoot anybody else. Uh, nobody had sort of, you know, reached out to say we want coverage for this or anything like that. So, you know, it was just, let's do something different. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you had, uh, 
at least three or four other photographers there. So for me, it was doing something different. And, and you and know, you did, and you delivered yeah. first out of anybody else, <laughs> which which you know is crazy to me because it was video, yeah, which is editing, <laughs> which, which is not not a photo. Photo, you know, I can shoot it, go to a back table, be on a laptop, and have it before I leave the venue done. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's. Uh, crazy in itself but it was it, it was a challenge for myself to do that and uh you know it, it turned out you know there, there's definitely things i would change and it wasn't perfect and you know yeah there's all sorts of things and and i learned from it uh which is always a big plus i mean you know if you're not learning something or doing something that's a that's a huge deal but ultimately in the end you know to me it's the timeliness and and you know i may be completely off in this but having that to share almost immediately after the show is probably Amazing. more beneficial to a band, you know, in, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, than getting it two weeks later when oh, it's long said and done because everybody's pumped. They enjoyed the it. show. Yeah. You, you know, that out. night or the next day, it's still fresh in their mind. They'll watch it then, but three weeks from now, it's kind of they're on to the next. Yeah. Like if you want to think about sports, it's like when you listen to the radio in the morning, if you still do, or you check Sportsnet or whatever, it's going to be like, yeah, last night the Flames lost two you know, to yeah. St. Louis or whatever. Uh, but a week later, if they're like, yeah, last week the Flames lost to St. Louis, 2 nothing, you'd be like, why is this even on the radio? Who cares, right? It's over. Yeah. But if you have that short turnaround time, it goes a long way. Um, you br like brought up two things that I think are interesting. Um, challenging yourself, doing something that's outside of your comfort zone is very, very cool, even if you fail. So last week, like, this is music, but last week I wanted to try and write a song in four hours, and I... Wrote it, almost finished recording it, didn't finish it, and I haven't had time to get the last few vocal tracks thing. So it's right. not released, but I failed. But now I have a song that I'm really happy with that um, needs some tweaks and needs a bit more work. Right. But if I hadn't challenged myself in those four hours, that song might have never yeah. been written. So like, when you challenge yourself, you continually evolve as as an artist or you know as a as a photographer. Yeah. And that's what helps you stay fresh and and stay young. If you look at like. What Netflix did, they were like a DVD mail-in service, right? Yeah. And then they changed the game. They got creative, did an experiment, and now they're the number. They put Blockbuster out of business, yeah. and now they're the number one on-demand delivery service. Yeah. And <coughs> if you want to be, I think the best. If, if if that's your goal, I think everyone has different goals. <coughs> Some people just want to shoot their friends' band. Some people yeah. want to shoot their favorite bands, and so they'll use the that to kind of work it out. Um, some people want to shoot at you know the saddle dome some people want to shoot for yeah. publications everyone has different goals so you got to find out i think just backstepping a little bit you got to find out what you want to do and what yeah. your what your expectations are and be really like self-aware of what you're capable of doing always push yourself but i would rather see somebody um if they know they're good at something like really really good at something put the effort into that and be exceptional be like absolutely mind-blowing yeah. at that um, it's good to work on your weaknesses for sure. Yeah. But if, if you know that like you could put in a hundred hours and buddy could put in 10 and he was going to do a better job, but you could put in those hundred hours into something you're really good at and be like a 13 out of 10. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's something to be said in that to like pursue, but also being diverse is good. Yeah. But finding what you're passionate about and going that route is good. So it's like, if you like shooting bands, go shoot bands, like do it as much as possible, yeah. get as good as you can. And then um, you'll have the portfolio. You'll have the leverage that will entice people to work with you. If you want to shoot weddings and you're not really into bands and like maybe shoot bands once in a while, but yeah. spend most of the time on weddings. If you want to do engagement shoots, if you want to do nature and you love hikes, then like, you know, oh, absolutely. do what you love. Go to Kananaskis, do those hikes, use your, use your camera and, yeah. and shoot, shoot things that you're passionate about. Because I feel like if you like something, your photos are going to be better than if you're shooting something you hate. Absolutely. 
I don't know if that can come through or I guess you could probably speak on that more, but I feel yeah. like if it's something that's interesting you and engaging to you, you'll probably subtly will take more pride in the photo um, and you'll capture a better moment. I don't know. If yeah. That's yeah I, I mean, anything, you know, photography wise, it's time wise, like understanding how concerts work and, you know, lighting and all that, it all comes with time. So, I mean, when you're starting out, you are bound to make mistakes. You are bound to go through shoots that don't turn out very well. Uh, your equipment might not be top of the line, so even shooting in a dimly lit club is going to be even that much more difficult to shoot because you don't have, you know, the camera equipment. And that's not saying that the camera equipment is the most important thing out of the deal. It's just meaning that you have to adapt. When you get to a situation where you've got the gear and, you know, full-on, you know, stadium lighting, it becomes a different thing, and it's a lot easier for you to deal with that. But that's not saying that there's not situations that come up that throw people off. Uh, I photographed a few weeks back uh, a band called In This Moment, mm -hmm. uh, Marina Brink, and uh, they had a crazy setup for a show, but the lighting and the smoke and, you know, this tornado thing they had going on and all that kind of stuff, it was... It was nuts. It was, it was, I was looking for a few minutes and I knew that there was going to be problems based on, you know, sort of the smoke that was going on, the backlighting, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get her to appear well and not, you know, totally, you know, have a, a crazy bad photograph. So, I mean, it was, it was challenging in that. And, you know, with experience, you're able to deal with it. I came out in the end, but I mean, even in that moment, I'm like, this, this might not turn out so well. Uh, so, I mean, even, you know, and I've shot thousands and thousands of shows mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, essentially, you know, it could have came out in the back end, you know, and, and not delivered and, you know, that not delivering is probably the worst thing that could ever happen. I think as a photographer is saying, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to deliver this and then come out on the back end and say, I don't have anything for you because then, you know, you really do yourself some damage and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, when you're starting out, I mean, and this is a question for you. Is it a bad, you know, a lot of guys will talk sort of, you know, will push themselves as a thing. I'm a professional, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if, if they don't deliver on the, the bad end, is that going to be a bad thing in your eyes? Or is that something that you work with still? Or, you know, are they better to come forward and say, listen, I'm starting out. Uh, you know, I'm an amateur. I would love this opportunity. You know, I will, you know. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, part of it comes down to saturation. Like the band market is saturated. I'm sure the yeah. photography market is oh, absolutely. insanely saturated. Yeah. So there's something to be said where if you make a partnership or an agreement to do something and then you, you're not able to deliver on that, yeah. there are other people who are willing to do what you weren't able to do. Yeah. And um, for, for a key moment, if you've got a big event and you're really counting on something and something doesn't get delivered, it's not going to be... Like, say we got a, a massive show and we're opening for a large band and we hire a photographer and then they're like, hey, you know, my SD card fried or something, like yeah. that, which is completely beyond your control. Yeah. But unfortunately, it kind of reflects on you even if it doesn't, Yeah. you know, and even if it had nothing to do with you and it was your equipment, it was it's still associated with you by by how that works. And uh, as a as an artist, like if you, if for for a moment where we really wanted something, yeah, yeah. it would be kind of it would be kind of frustrating. And I think the key is really just having um, like w when you were talking about looking at the situation, you knew you were going to have issues right yeah. away. That comes from the experience. The only way you're going to get that experience is by cutting your teeth, doing, doing yeah. what you do. But when you know your gear might be faulty, having 
separate like when when i when i play a show i bring a second guitar in case a pickup breaks or yeah. like a string breaks or like something that would never happen i always have two spares just in yeah. case because you never know there's one show we played early on where i broke two strings in a set and I, because i brought enough guitars i could still finish so having i think being prepared is important and going back to delivery um delivering a good product's important and turnaround time like you said is, is also very important so I like to make a social post the next day about yeah. a show. Um, and I'll, I'll do that with whatever I can because, like you said, being first is maybe more important than necessarily the yeah. quality you're receiving, right? So um, we had that video that you made, so I shared that. I had set that up to share the next day. And then on Instagram, um, I didn't have many options because none of the publications had posted anything yet. Right. And the photographer we'd hired... She usually has about a week turnaround time, which like we, we know that going in. Yeah. So it's not a frustration. If you're expect, if you tell me it's going to be ready the next day and then we get it a week later, it's frustrating. If you yeah. say you're going to get it a week later and I know that like a week before the show, then that's fine. Like yeah. that's, that's no issue because the quality of your work speaks for itself. You communicated that and we understand the, yeah. the, the stipulations of what we're going, what, you know, how things yeah. are going to go and it's, it's easy. It's no problem. So my brother took some on his iPhone. I used one of those through a filter on. It's not the best photo, but that way right. we're still able to have that photo the next day for our social post. And then um, the re I guess we could talk a little bit about the reason, like why why would we want live photos as a band and like what we do with those photos. Yeah. I don't know if that, that's interesting. So um, in the social media game, it's really important to stay relevant, have a lot of posts. Yeah. And um, if you post once a month, people are going to kind of forget who you are a, a little bit. Like if, if you're strong enough, you can kind of take breaks and then come back and, yeah. and do stuff. But a strong social media page posts daily and um, has good content. Yeah. So what I like to do is we like to get a bunch of live fo photographs that we can run on Instagram. We play about every six to eight weeks. Yeah. So if we have a photographer at every show, you can take some photos. I throw them into our, our bank and then I can do a daily Instagram post. Yeah. Um, you, we can throw text over top of the images with like song lyrics or just try different things to see what's engaging. Yeah. But, uh, the, the daily post is like, is, is something that I really look for. So when we hire a photographer and we get 20 to 30 photos, that gives me, if I do a live photo every other day and integrate it with something else, you know, that gives us about two months of stuff. Yeah. So that, that really helps in terms of what we're looking for. Um, when it comes to social posts, then there's the, the press side of things where, um, when we apply for these big shows, when we just opened for Silver Steam, we had to apply, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you send that through the right channel, to, through the venue. The venue sends that off to the band's tour manager. The band's tour manager looks at your photos, listens to your music, and says yes or no, they're a good yeah. fit. Because you don't want to... If you're a, a... Say you're a venue and you've got a country band that just draws insanely well, 130, 150 people, something ridiculous, and the venue always works with them, and then you've got a post-hardcore band coming through, and then they get that country band because the tour manager wasn't involved, the show would be... Very, yeah. very strange to yeah. say the least. So the, the tour manager needs to approve your stuff. Yeah. So this link, uh, EPK is called it, electronic yeah. press kit is going to be sent out to these people and you never know how far that's going to go. It could go to the record label. It could go to their booking agent. A lot of people can be seeing yeah. this. So your photographs are important. This is something that I've really like improved on. I think in the yeah. past two years, um, compared to like, You've consulted us before on on our press kit. And yeah, I, I yeah, because I, I deal with the EPKs on a, a daily basis because I work in, uh, you know, with magazines and stuff. I get a lot of preview albums, you know, uh, we're touring this, all that kind of stuff. So I get the EPKs and, you know, I, I think I've talked to you about some of that stuff. But I mean, it's uh, a lot of bands, a lot of younger bands and, and on your podcast, 
that, that you have, uh, the Inter Music Podcast, where you talk about uh, basically, you know, music, the music industry, how to grow your band, all that kind of stuff and all the important. So if you're a musician happen to be watching this, uh, Scott has a great podcast in which he uh, talks about a lot of these things, you know. Uh, the EPK is, is one of those things. And I think uh, I was a guest on one show talking about that. And yeah. it's, you know, there is definitely a process because you get tons and uh, you know, it's, you're filtering through it very fast. And, and me being a photographer and a visual person, a lot of times totally. too, if you haven't put the effort into it, it's, it's already it's frustrating. It's already disappeared. Right. Yeah. And now that I book pens and DJs yeah. and I'm getting press kits or various emails that wouldn't be resembling a press kit, seeing your world, like it's, 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 actually very shocking to see and i think it's more i don't think it's um stupidity i think it's naivety i don't think i really don't yeah. think it's it's people that are like like i don't think it's an intelligent thing i think it's like you don't understand what people are looking for and oh that, and and the business of music and, and like i said that's why your podcast is great is that the business of music is completely different than creating music playing a guitar singing putting a band together, you know, and, and creating music. It, it's different. Yeah. I mean, everything from imagery, you know, your band's image to, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is completely different. And then the backhand management stuff that a lot of people don't know because they just don't have the experience of it. Maybe they've just played at an open mic at, you know, you know, at a bar where they've just kind of shown up and played is a lot different than booking something, you know, to open for a band like Silverstein. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely different. Well, the, the <laughs> The the way a, a show advance when you get that a few days like some venues in Calgary don't even give you that yeah. right so it's just like load on an eight you show up eight bands show up there's you know sixteen guitar cabs and four drum kits and then one band was told the the kit was going to be shared the rest of the bands weren't like this and then you go to the marquee or something like that where there's like a printed show advance the band's tour manager is like cracking the whip making sure everything goes yeah. extremely smooth and it's a whole new whole new world, whole new ball game. And I guess every artist wants to grow and evolve over yeah. time. But um, yeah, like when you, when you have that press kit, <clears throat> ours has come a long way and I think it, you can always improve everything. Yeah. But um, ours is finally like in, in a place that I felt comfortable um, sending it off. I've, um, we've been using our one sheet a little bit, which is something else that right. it's good to have a good photo uh, yeah. photography for, oh, a good photo for rather. Um, and I tend to, lean towards on a one sheet having a band kind of sitting like not not a live shot right do you agree with that yeah yeah i, w I would agree with that yeah because then you're really seeing the band um so when bands are looking for that um i think one thing that really stood out to me uh my friend brian who i mentioned from saskatoon he came out uh when did we play i think it was june yeah 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 so he came out in june um for he was doing some engagement photography or something like that yeah. with his wife. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'll come to the show tonight. We just happened to be playing a show the same weekend. So it all worked out. Um, <clears throat> and before that, he's like, hey, can we do like an actual posed photo shoot? And one thing that I really noticed was the strength of his was because he had worked in weddings for the past two years. Yeah. He understood posing better than like 90% of the photographers yeah. we worked with were like, Scott, your chin's too high. Like subtle things that like when I'll look back at photos, I'll be like, man, like why did I put my chin up that high? Yeah. Why did I have my arm kinked like that? You don't realize you're doing yeah. it when you're in a photo and you're trying to move and create different poses and yeah. stuff. And then sometimes you'll have a photo where three guys pose perfectly and one guy ruins it because he's yeah. doing something weird and it makes the whole photo feel awkward. Yeah. Um, but Brian's 
skill was learning like from the, from the wedding yeah. background. His yeah. the posing was amazing, and it made things really easy for symmetry. And um, if you're if you're a photographer that's starting out, I would say like learning posing and looking at the artists that you look up to look how their photos are posed and then kind of use that as a reference to yeah. try and build how you'd want to see it and like take from that, make it your own. But, yeah. um, there's something to be said about posing. And I would say most of the photographers that we work with, that's something they're not very familiar with yeah. and it's an oversight. And I didn't even realize that until we worked with Brian to realize, yeah. man, like this is actually something that is really valuable and something that I, I didn't even realize was, was something that, yeah, because I'm sure you see photos, often where you have bands that are like yeah i, I mean weird or something e epk stuff is always difficult right i mean it's uh you you want to stand out but i mean a lot of times it's you know it's all very familiar and mm -hmm. you know the same and stuff and you know it's the typical brick wall and all yeah. that kind of stuff <laughs> brick wall uh, or graffiti wall yeah you know it's uh so I mean, it, it's it's not not necessarily an easy thing to do but that being said uh you know, it's it's still good, in my opinion, to have those shots versus just, you know, potentially, you know, some live shots that you're sort of duplicating. And, you know, I mean, you'll have live shots in your EPK as well, uh, I would assume. But, you know, having those, you know, studio shots or, you know, post shots are, are definitely a plus. And, you know, it's you're right. It's definitely a skill. I mean, uh, and and weddings is the number one kind of, you know pose pose your people and get get the shots right yeah. I and mean, it's, it's and that's a high pressure job as well um you know the co-host for the show here dave he uh he's a wedding photographer so i mean he, you know he's he, he would be you know really good to, to talk about that because yeah. that's what he does um you know and we, we've talked about weddings in the show before so i mean it's what you're saying is completely 100 percent. yeah I, I feel like being a wedding photographer just on the side would be the most stressful job perhaps on the planet uh it could be you know a lot of it depends you know if the on bride and the groom brides. are really particular yeah. bride specifically but yeah. not trying to single anybody out but yeah. like that's her day and yeah. if you ruin it I would yeah it's uh oof. it's gonna be a bad day for you yeah yeah so i mean investing investing in your epk is is obviously something else that you know you, you've done with a photographer and worked with photographers in order to get that yeah to a point um Talking about, I guess we could talk about how our APKs evolved and how, like, I think when you're ready for something, it kind of shows up. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, like, when our band first started, not that we're amazing now, right? Like, by no means. But, like, when we started, we sucked like everyone else, right? <laughs> and when you start uh, and you make friends with a photographer who literally just bought a camera and has been doing photos for right. six months, their photography is not going to be very good either, right? So, but, like that's what's expected out of a local garage band that sucks. Like you're not really expected to have this amazing photography. If you're a band that draws 15 people right. and that's it. And on a good day, right? Like yeah. if that's your, the peak of your draw and you're playing like an all ages grungy, grungy venue. Yeah. Um, the, do you just cut this part? Or try? Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, grungy venue. Yeah. So if you're a photographer at a grungy, grungy venue or sorry, you're a band at a grungy venue and, uh, you know, you, you draw 15 people, the photography that you have associated with you is going to be better. And as your band grows, um, it gives you, I don't want to say leverage, but leverage, I guess, right. to, to like, uh, this is our standard. Now your standard continually grows and evolves as your yeah. band grows. And, um, 
photographers usually grow with you. I find like right. photographers get better over time. And, uh, when you're ready for the next step, the next step kind of just shows up, I, I find. And you, you, the more you, I think this goes for photographers and bands, but like if you're at an event, talk to people. Yeah. It goes so far. Like you can, if you sit in the corner, you go to the green room, you don't talk to anybody. That's it. I feel like you wasted an opportunity in an evening where you're going out and doing something. Right. Because when you're in a room with, at a, like a, you're at a rock show or if you're at a photographer, can, I don't know if there's conventions or what, where you would go where there'd be a lot of photographers. But I guess even at a rock show, there's six other photographers. Yeah. You could probably be a nice guy and talk and say, hey, what are the challenges? How did you overcome this? And maybe maybe you learn something. Maybe you help them along. I don't know. Is that really cutthroat? Is that like a no-no? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time up until I would say two years ago that I was kind of the only person kicking around in the pit. Okay. Uh, there wasn't a lot of people kicking around. Um, it, it's At changed a lot over or? the... Uh, I'm, I'm talking about uh, mid to, to high tier okay. sort of level. So, right? like so I would, I would get, up. you know, I, I, I would go to a show and it would be, you know, the local newspapers where they're typically there, which bands target. So if you're a touring act, you come through and you target, you know, the Calgary Herald, the Calgary Sun. Those are kind of your two go-tos. And then, you know, that that's and then there was me um and sometimes i'd be there because you know a mid-tier show at McEwen hall would not be something that the newspaper wants to cover so it would just be myself right uh then people started uh, about two years ago people started showing up and it's it, you know there's, there's there's more and more people now but i would just talk to people number one because it's you know it's kind of boring to just go sit there and because you know a lot of times depending on who it is if you're working for a magazine sometimes you're three in three songs out wait three more yeah. out all that kind of stuff if you're working for a band or for the publicist or you know something else you might be working the whole time so that's a different scenario but generally a lot of people there are press or press related so i mean i i would talk to people because it's it's whatever i mean it's, it's good to have those uh those contacts because in, in my case uh specifically with how I make money off this is I, I send my stuff through the wire. It used to be through Corbis and Corbis was owned by Microsoft. It was owned by Bill Gates. It was a competitor to Getty and all that kind of stuff. And what happened was in order to do away with their competition, Getty basically bought through a visual China group, they bought Corbis and then they locked everybody out. And so for a little bit there, I was, without anything to sort of sell my photography on because what I would do is after a show, I would upload it, it would go to the wire and then people would pick off those images for magazines and so on and so forth right. or the bands or whoever. But, uh, you know, part, part of it was too, is just talking to people saying, Hey, who are you working for? Are you looking for people? All that kind of stuff. So, I mean, having that relationship there as well, I mean, Yes, in a sense, it's competitive, um, and I'd be a, a liar to sit here and tell you that I'm not an uber competitive person, and that I go, uh, you know, I want the best shot out of the show. Uh, if yeah. there's six photographers there, I want the best shot out of the show. I also want to be first. Yeah. You know, those are my two goals. I want to, I want to have the best shot, and I want to have the first shot out, and that's my goal because that will get me the most sort of traffic. And yeah, I mean. You will see typically for me, you will see stuff that night. You always, uh, you know? always consistently, yeah. which like blows my mind because yeah. that's something <laughs> consistency is something I, I'm kind of hit and miss with. So yeah. like I hats off to yeah. that. Just a touching on that. If you shoot for first and you're, that's your goal and you hit second, that's better than if you didn't have a goal and you're sixth. 
Yes, yeah. So it's it's better than being the, the photographer that's three four days later because you know to me again it's it's in in my world in in my head it's it's not relevant at that point especially if you're talking about touring artists uh, if you're talking about touring artists and, and I've worked with some touring artists and done stops with them it's important for them really specifically to say we played Calgary last night or we played Edmonton or we played Vancouver. And here's a photograph from the show. You'll see a bump in your socials because yeah. you, I go like if a band comes through and then you see, Hey, we just played Calgary. And then you see like your hand given the horns or yeah. you're more likely to like that photo yeah. than, than if it's te- Texas or something. Right. Yeah. So from a social media standpoint, if you're talking about reach, if you're talking about like getting your, your name out there, whether it's a band or photographer, yeah being first is important. Yeah. If you're trying to build content for long, long play socials where it's just, you're trying to like make sure your, your social media account has active stuff. Then being second is okay. I think, but it depends on what your goal is. Like it comes back to like, do you want to be the number one photographer in Calgary? If that's your, like, I think you should always strive to be the best, but that's not everyone's mindset. And, um, you gotta, you gotta find out what you want to do and then, and then, you know, put all of your focus and attention on that. So yeah. if, if it's about being number one, bumping your social posts, getting your name out there, shooting bigger shows, shoot every show, like you're getting paid a thousand dollars for it or whatever. Yeah. And then naturally that just comes to you because you build that ha- habit that build that work ethic and you'll continue to get the big shows. Yeah. Um, like unrelated, but related. So how my band has played marquee more than any other local band. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very humbled by that. It's not trying to say like, hey, we're the best or anything. Because we're not. It's just where we were at the time. And it has to do with circumstance and, and like just being, you know, networking. I think is really what it comes down to. But the first time this happened, um, a band called P.O.D. was coming through. And uh, a local opener had already been established yeah. on that band. And P.O.D. was one of my favorite bands. So I was really excited they were coming. So I was going to see them anyways. But I was like, no, this is possible. This is really possible that we could possibly play, play this show. And then I wasn't even thinking like, we'll play this venue six yeah. more times. I was like, this is this is possible. Let's let's try to make this happen. So I was like, hey, we'll, do, we'll email the venue. I was like, hey, we can offer you this. And they're like, no response. And then I sent another email saying, hey, we can offer this. And I upped what we could offer. And then uh, basically I said we would draw 80 to 100 people, which were like for our band would be a new record. Yeah. But I knew that if we got that opportunity, I would work as hard as possible to get that, right? So the general manager liked the kind of hustle. I think there's a balance between like nagging someone daily yeah. and hustling and like showing that you're, yeah. you have the effort, right? So find that balance. Don't just, um, don't just uh, spam someone every day. Like yeah. have something to offer. And be really strong, strong. Like say, yes, we can deliver this. And so we did that. Uh, we we sold eighty five tickets, I think, and then we had another like twenty on the guest yeah. list. So we we drew over a hundred people for this show, and there was five hundred people at the show, I think. So we drew yeah. like twenty percent of the audience. Yeah. So that was really good. The bar was, and, and that's good for a four band bill. No, yeah, that's that's really like yeah, it's it's, it's a strong thing, especially at the local level. And we were yeah. like very humble and appreciative that like that, yeah. that happened. But that the venue was like, wow, these guys work hard. They delivered, yeah. they promoted, they sold tickets and um, they didn't suck too. Yeah. Right. So, and, <laughs> and it's all relative. Like, I mean, if you're, you're drawing 400 people, you and you pull in a hundred, you know, 400, 500, you draw 20%. You know, when you look at it, if you look at a band like POD who have sold albums have gone, you know, multi-platinum yeah, and all that totally. kind of stuff, you have to look at it in a relative, you know, kind of stage. I mean, that's, that's a huge, draw you know for sure in, they, in a sense right i mean you don't have you know 
the music videos playing on MTV that they have. You don't have, you know, know, the radio play that they necessarily have, but that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, you know, accomplish those things. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, 20% to 25% of the draw is is a huge thing. And it's like, it's, it's like when you set those goals, those big goals, right. And it was lofty. Like to say that I was like, I better deliver or we'll never play this venue again. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like, if you say, Hey, I'll shoot these photos, they'll be the best photos or whatever. Um, you've really got to be able to back up what you're saying because that's where it's all on the line. That's where it's like, this is like, this is all or nothing. So if I told the marquee, we would draw, you know, about 80 to hundred people and we brought 15. Yeah. We would never have played there again. Yeah. But because we had the hustle, we had the work ethic. Now we're on their short list. And when a rock or punk rock band comes through, we get in, They get in touch with us because, right. because they know we have the reputation. We work hard. Yeah. And the last Silverstein show, we drew 20% of the crowd again. And yeah. um, the venue is very happy with us and I have a good relationship with those guys and that's all because we went on a limb we tried something new tried to do something we'd never done before like kind of going back to what we talked about earlier and and the opportunity came up right Um, and one thing I thought was really interesting that a photographer did that the photographer should try and do is he was a fan of Silverstein and Seaway and he messaged me and he said uh, or actually he was shooting a show at the rec room when I was working one night he said hey uh, you're shooting Silverstein I was like yeah he's like um, can I come shoot you guys a set? So his thought process is I'll shoot these guys, but then I'll get to shoot the big bands. Right. Yeah. And, uh, my process is, Hey, we get photos and I can happily give him one of our media right. spots to make that happen. So yeah. the leverage, which was a mutually beneficial thing was we'll give him the opportunity to, you know, film or probably shoot, uh, some larger bands for yeah. his portfolio. Um, and then for us, we get photos that we don't actually have to spend money on, but it's a, it's a trade of value. So there's yeah. just on the, Subject of working for free, I guess yeah. we're talking about a lot of things. Um, I do think working for free can have its benefits. I don't think you should always do it. No, this is a case where it worked out yeah. because you're not trading a commodity of money, but you're trading a leverage and yeah. a stronger portfolio. Yeah. So if you are a photographer who wants to shoot a bigger show and you ha- yeah. know you can have an in, um, working for free in that instance works out. I don't think you should always work for free. Like if people say, "Hey, come shoot this." Festival of 15 bands will pay you and then they don't pay you. I yeah. don't think that's the best way to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be careful with that. It's, uh, you know, uh, smaller to medium-sized venues, that, that can definitely pay off. Oh, yeah, I, I can tell you with, with experience you that when, when you start getting to larger venues, sometimes they will say, if you're shooting the path that's all you're and, and you're shooting the opener, that's all you shoot because... Uh, Artists Especially have quality in, control, I think. Probably. Well, well, they do, and and also, you know, you're you're at the mercy of security sometimes. So uh, the Saddle Dome, I will get escorted from our little staging area to the area when I'm done. You know, they'll escort we'll us out. Back, you yeah. know, they're making sure that you know we're not doing things that we're not supposed to, that we're not in areas that we're not supposed to be, that we're right. doing exactly what is outlined by the publicist and the tour manager and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's good it, to look into it. And I did check with marquee management yeah. first. Cause I like <laughs> for, for a guest list, like a lot of bands, I, I feel like almost abuse a guest list. Right. They'll just throw all their best friends on there and then, um, they sell like five tickets or whatever. Um, I use our guest list pretty much for media. Yeah. I feel like that's like, that's, if you're going to like, give someone a free pass they they should have something to you know, yeah. bring to the table or if it's like you're a plus one or like someone close like that that's fine but like uh when i talked to marquee i was like hey here's our media list yeah. so i had seven people involved in media on on our list and that's all it was so a venue is going to say hey 
this is really cool. You know, they're yeah. they're maximizing the revenue and also bringing people that are going to bring notoriety to our venue. Yeah. So like that's something that's going to bring. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the flip side to that too is with photographers is that I, I know there are some people that believe that, you know, this is a way to get access to a lot of shows and watch shows for free. But, you know, it's you are working, so you better deliver on you the tailor. Otherwise, that, that life, that, that what you're doing is going to get it cut off so fast. And I've seen guys that, you know, I'll see them for one, two shows. I will, like I said, I'm a competitive guy, so I search for work. I want to see everybody's shots, mainly yeah. for self-growth because I want to see, you know, again, I, I'm, you know, comparing. I want to see how, where I stack up. I want to be up there. I definitely don't want to be middle of the pack or definitely I don't want to be in last place. Right. But, you know, I, I take a look at everybody's stuff and I, and I go to shows and I talk to everybody and a lot of times I don't see somebody's stuff. You know, and I'll, I'll not see anything produced on the tail end. It'll happen two or three times and then that'll be the last that I ever see of them because obviously the way that they're getting access cuts them off because they're not delivering product and then, you know, essentially at the end of the day, you've got uh, nothing left. So it's, it's, so it's important to deliver uh, at the end of the day. I mean... I am sure that if I came to you as a new photographer and said, listen, I'm new, I'm looking for this opportunity, I'm looking to shoot, and at the end of the day, I don't deliver, that is not going to, you know, bode well. It's basically probably going to ruin some opportunities because, again, as we mentioned before, you don't have, you know, there's communication among bands and all that kind of stuff. So if my work isn't up to snuff yet, and, and this is a part, you know, being a photographer where you have to be real with yourself. If you're, you know, take your work and compare it to somebody else, find somebody that you admire that's in the business, that's doing concert photography, and you go, you know what, this guy's stuff's really good. And take an honest look at stuff and say, does my stuff compare? Does it, you know, is it close? Is it nowhere near? What do I have to do? And try to improve it and then, you know, sort of cut your teeth in the smaller clubs. You know, I, Which is crucial. Like being like, just being aware self-aware yeah. of what you're able to do at that point in time is is so important yeah because if you say you can deliver something fantastic and you don't people talk yeah. so it's not just you're not just potentially burning this bridge just this one person you're gonna whoever they talk to yeah that had this one guy yeah. who was gonna do this couldn't do this and yeah. whatever the case is and, and learning as a photographer learning to shoot concert photography and all that kind of stuff you've got to find these people to see sort of where they're at and like i said i go and i compare myself to everybody around that shoots but i go beyond that so i, I look at guys like danny clinch who is the photographer for bruce springsteen he works you know with guys you know all sorts of guys like Everybody from, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers to Pearl Jam to, you know, all the big names and rock. He does a lot of the music award shows and all that kind of stuff. So I look at his stuff to say, you know, how does my stuff compare? What can I do? You know, what kind of stuff is he doing? You know, can I make adjustments? I mean, I obviously have my own style and I'm not going to duplicate a style, but, you know, it's like, how can I improve? And I mean, that's that's after doing, you know, things for years and years and years. I just want to keep on sort of taking those steps forward. That's how you continually grow, yeah. for sure. But, you know, you know, to, to sell myself like I can produce, you know, these shots just like Danny Clinch that might be overselling myself just a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and I definitely want to want to follow story. If I say I'm going to produce that kind of work and, you know, my shots are out of focus, nothing's that they're overexposed, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, I'm shooting the backs of your heads or when you're turned around or, you know, uh, it's a mistake that I see a lot of, you know, younger photographers make, they'll kind of publish everything. They'll take it's 200 a, shots and they'll produce 200 shots. Uh, so and they'll release all to get to like 15 
Yeah, they're not going to, you know, you want to release, for me, it's you want to release the best of the best that you have 100%. I mean, sometimes you'll take two, three shots, they'll be very similar. Yeah. I'm not going to release all three. They might all be great shots, but I'm going to release what I think is the best one. How do you vet? Like, how do you, so you, you get home, you get on your computer, you have 120, 300 shots. I don't know how many you'd have. Maybe, maybe 100. Okay, so you have, you have 100 and you drop it down to 15 usually? 15 or 20, yeah. So how, how does that work? Do you do like a three-step process, like garbage right away and then duplicates, or how does that work? It's a quick scan. If it's good, it's, it's saved. I generally know what I've shot in clusters, uh, so a lot of times I'm going for something specifically. So, you know, a lot of times, like, you'll have somebody who's jumping in the air or something like that. So, you, you know, you'll have two or three shots because you're trying to get that peak and you're, you're timing it. But you'll 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 fire a burst just to make sure 100 percent you get you know that so I mean three of those shots out of the four one you know yeah. one's good all that kind of stuff sometimes it's just a matter of uh, when when you're shooting uh, microphone stands like this are are a huge pain in the oh, ass for autofocus no because what happens is is because you're shooting you're not manually focusing because everybody moves way too fast so you're relying on the camera system a little bit yeah but a lot of times when you're singing it'll focus here oh, so versus focus blurry. on the eyes <laughs> so the face is blurry but the mics and things so sometimes you know they miss and I mean not all camera systems are created the same so you'll you'll hit. Um, you know, you want to, you want a high hit percentage, but that doesn't always happen. So, you know, it's, it's just going through that, which one's sharp, which one's tack sharp, all that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes you get, uh, you know, unpredictable light. So you'll get a blast of light, you know, uh, and you'll get it. Or when you're shooting, another thing is you'll have lights coming from the back. So a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll take a shot and I'm like, this is where I want to be, but I want to make sure that that, that light is actually planted behind, you know, whoever I'm photographing's head so you get a nice backlight so it cuts them out from the background and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's working as you go. But like I said, that's all comes with experience and time and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, it's, it's a very quick process. Totally. Um, you know, again, the more experience you have doing it, the faster it is because you you're, make those you're making those decisions. decisions, you're editing, and you're doing all that in a short amount of time. And to be honest, you want stuff as close to being perfect in camera as possible yeah, that you don't have to, you have to do in yeah. post the better i mean if you, if you have to go into photoshop and spend six hours editing one photograph it's it's not good mm -hmm. it's you you're already you're already behind the curve because by the time you've edited that one photograph i've released 20 to 30 shots right and and they're out there so yeah. i mean you know again that comes back to that finish first and all that kind of stuff and i mean if you're a touring band you know waiting you know 12 hours 15 hours two days to get, you know, one shot about your show in Calgary the last night. It's probably yeah. not what you're aiming for. Yeah, I would say no. Yeah. I was going to ask you something based on what you just said, but I'm forgetting what it is. Yeah. Let me just think. So, yeah, I mean, it's, there's definitely challenges and, you know, get, getting your stuff out there and obviously pleasing your client as well. I mean, mm -hmm. it's. And a lot of that's communication as well, too. So communicating with your client what they want and what they're looking for is all, you know, and, and that becomes more when, when you're shooting for a magazine, you're shooting for a magazine article, a review of a concert, all that kind of stuff. If you are shooting for a label and you're shooting for the artists themselves, sometimes those goals are different, mm -hmm. you know, so they will let you know things in advance, mm -hmm. like, you know. 
in this song, they're going to bring somebody up from the audience. Most likely, you know, if it's an all ages show, it's going to be a kid. They're going to sing along. You know, we want shots of that. You know, we want shots of the whole band or we want them specifically with the lead singer. You know, we want close-ups. They'll have some very specific instructions. Totally. So it's, it's positioning yourself. I mean, the advantage is, you know, it's going to happen, right? You know, uh, sometimes, you know, when you, when you're just shooting for a magazine, you don't have that, that luxury, but to be honest, you can go, you know, anytime it's a tour, you know, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, all that kind of stuff, or New York, Buffalo, all in, you could probably find the day or a couple of days before and you kind of know what's going on. Yeah, you can kind of watch you know, the. So you, you kind of get a preview. You can you can see what some photographers did. You know, it might be a good shot and you say, hey, if I could do this, it'll be a great shot. So you can learn. Learn, yeah, learn from like doing your research on the forefront, yeah. I'm sure, goes a long way. Uh, I remember I was going to ask you. So it's about um, the, the the post process. So in mixing, in the, in the world of like recording and mixing bands, yeah, um, mix, the process of mixing is romanticized. It's like yeah. that's where the magic happens. That's where it's sexy, etc. When really it's all about like if you can get things to sound great in the studio recorded, yeah. and you have to spend 20 minutes mixing a song instead of 60 because you didn't mic the kick drum properly, whatever yeah. the case is, um, like that's so much better. But like because of plugins and software mixing is the romanticized part that everyone talks about right is it the same in photography is it is like oh you when you have photoshop cs whatever i don't know any the the names but photoshop yeah. allows you to do this this and this with your makes bad photos look good is that something that's that's a factor in the world or is it more like get it right of the source i i, I would say yes for okay. me and uh some people are gonna probably hate what i'm about to say <laughs> uh so so strap in because uh, i'm not known for mincing my words uh, sometimes, you know, it, it depends what you're doing. I mean, if you are shooting EPK stuff and you're doing band and you're going for a certain look and it's, you know, a certain aesthetic that is going to be used on an album cover or the interior sleeve of your album or promotional items or posters and all that kind of stuff, you know, spending that time in Photoshop and getting it to, to the look that the band wants is, is definitely, you know, so, something that happens and, and you put the time in. However, sometimes, you know, people overutilize those things. They take Photoshop and they take shitty photos <laughs> and make them kind of okay. And then they basically say that my shitty photo was, you know, it's my style, right? Okay. So they're, they're overcompensating for things that they might not be doing right. I'm not okay. saying that you can't take something, um, and it's no secret that I hate this sort of muted Instagram kind of look. I, I can't stand it. I don't, you know, I don't mind it in part, but if, if it's the whole thing, I don't like it. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I have an affinity for black and white. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason for that in concert photography. Um, you know, the muted actually probably plays into that a little bit, but you know, I find black and white a lot stronger images and a lot more timely than something like that. It's, uh, I, I think those images will not last, the, you know, sort of through time, right? A good color shot or a good black and white shot will out, outlive that. But, you know, it's... So it's kind of like how in the 80s, like Def Leppard and... Um, Bon Jovi and stuff when the the snare drum is just 
soaked in reverb. And yeah. Like, it sounds like that. And the moment you hear it, you can tell it's the 80s. So you feel like these muted photos, you're going to be like, they're, oh, they're that, not was the, send the that, that was the 2010s. Yeah. Like, that was how the photography was done, that yeah. kind of thing. So it's a, it's a stylistic yeah. thing that's kind of with the... Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's no, you know, with art, there's no right and wrong way of doing stuff. I mean, this is just my opinion and, right. and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, for for magazines and all that, you don't want a bunch of, you know, Instagram filtered it's right. my best thing. I think that's where it sort of evolved from because it sort of came through Instagram as sort of the muted color, it was kind of a hipster thing. <laughs> Hipsters are going to hate me for this, but you know, it's uh, but but it's kind of you know, it's kind of saturated the market. You see a lot of people shoot like that. Like I said, it's not necessarily the worst thing, but if it's you know, it's all it is, it's kind of you feel like too you're, much, you're right? hiding behind something almost. You're, you're you're sometimes hiding deficiencies. Yeah. In in what's going on, and you know it's. There's a difference between hiding stuff because it's bad or, and doing stuff because there's a purpose, right. in my opinion. So if you are shooting, for example, uh, a band that is a perfect example of this is August Burns Red. Yeah. They love red light, yeah. right? I hate red light. As a photographer, <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world okay. to shoot in. It, it was just, interesting, actually. It, it bleaches everything out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's just crazy. But... Knowing that it's red light, I know that it's not going to be color because it's just going to be red and that, so it's going to be black and white. So you're shooting for it. So it's not you know it's kind you're of, you're you're taking the moments and and saving them, you know, making them presentable because red and black just looks terrible as as photographs. But it, it has a purpose. It's not like you're just like probably creates the environment for yeah. the live setting of what they do. Like Seaways, uh, their do, their document that they gave the sound tech said no reds specifically, yeah. like whitewashes, lots of blue, no reds. Yeah, bolded. So that's very interesting. I yeah. wonder if that's that's. A I I, I actually want to create a shirt that says "Red Lighter for Hookers," um, <laughs> not concerts. But you know, that's just a personal opinion. And you probably eighty percent of the people wouldn't get it. Yeah, <laughs> any photographer knows exactly what I'm talking okay. about. When so they when they flood, like, Dude, flood red light, you're just kind of like, really, like this is not good. And then if you want to add smoke, that makes it even that much better. <laughs> so, but you know. For, for imagery after the fact, it, it's not very good. But like, like I said, I mean, some people use it as a crutch. They will go into a place that is poorly lit. They'll have stuff that's out of focus. They will, you know, you know, jack the sliders up to the point. Like, I mean, the, the image just disintegrates. And I mean, to a point, you could probably be fine. If it's going to be used on Instagram, if it's going to be used on Twitter and socials, and it's not going to be any bigger than the size of your cell phone, you're probably fine. Yeah. However, the moment you blow it up. Uh, that you want to make prints, and this again goes back to the EPK thing and you know booking in venues and stuff, at some point you're going to want posters to promote your show, whether it's in a venue, you know, on, on a strip or anything like that. If those are really bad images, it will show. You know, right away, like that it's not clear, it's not crisp, it's all those Which crosses over to promotion. If you have a terrible poster, no one's even going to click on your Facebook event. That's right. You if, know. if you have a terrible photo from the night before, no one's going to click. Yeah. Like, w depending on the show we play in the city, like where we're playing and which photographer shot, whenever we share their photo the next day, there is a correlation between a great photo gets a lot of interaction and engagement. And a photo that's not quite the best, but we better than nothing. Right. The engagement's lower. Yeah. But it's better than not posting. Yeah. So I think you've you got to weigh those decisions yeah. in terms of like, maybe it's not your best work, but it's better than nothing. Like you said, it's better to deliver than not to not deliver, I think. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's a case, but yeah, that's how that works. But yeah. Appreciate you coming on the show. If totally. uh, people are looking to uh, check out your band, check out your music, best place to find you is... 
we have a website www.tpltband.com and that has our social links and that has our links to all of our music and stuff and uh, you can click through that on Facebook and find that out perfect so thanks for coming on make sure to check out the Path Less Travels latest album Legacy it is in iTunes now great you should give it a download give it a listen and uh, catch them the next time they're through thanks again no worries thanks for having me All right. see ya